More Australians than ever are living in cars, caravans and tents as people struggle to get their foot in an increasingly priced out housing market. It's no wonder a survey of young people conducted by Resolve Strategic has found 70% don't believe they'll ever be able to buy their own home. Eliza Owen is the Head of Residential Research for Australia at CoreLogic and joins me now. Welcome to RM Breakfast. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning. Eliza, is there a generation of Australians emerging that may never be able to buy a home? I think so. And this has become clear over the past few decades, really. Um, We've seen a long-term decline in Australia's home ownership rate. And the very telling piece of that data has been that home ownership rates have fallen the fastest among the lowest income quintiles of each age bracket. So that suggests, along with this recent survey that you've referenced, that um, this is not necessarily a choice. This is not people wanting to remain in the rental market for longer. This is a reflection of people struggling with housing affordability and factors that uh, predict whether you're going to get into the housing market have more to do with uh, how much your parents earn, how much you earn, and, and whether your family actually has a housing asset that they can leverage the equity on to help you in as well. We know interest rates are tipped to rise further. Uh, they're currently at 3.35% and could go up at least twice more this year. We, we obviously are you know, waiting to see. What impact will that have? Yeah, so now three of the four major banks are predicting this peak in the underlying cash rate of 4.1%. So this does put downward pressure on property values. We've seen the national home value across Australia go from about 770000 back in April last year to just 700000 But the problem with that is that the property price falls aren't enough to offset the increase in interest costs. So it's actually still pretty hard to get into the market. We estimate that it takes um, about uh, 10 years to save a deposit for a property nationally. But now on top of that, interest costs are rising. And I think that's why we've seen a particular increase in the amount of people who think that they're not going to be able to own. Because as well as that long-term structural affordability challenge, We've now got this shorter-term challenge of rising rates, and we're also seeing uh, a kind of exacerbated uh, vulnerability in the rental market, where, as you say, more people are experiencing insecure housing and, and needing homelessness services. That's interesting. So, you know, there was at the start when house prices were falling, I think some talk that, oh, well, maybe they'll fall and young people will be able to get there in, you're saying that's not really the way this is working out. That's right, because this isn't about the RBA making houses more affordable. This is about the RBA trying to tackle inflation. And by rising interest costs, they can divert more money towards housing costs and and less towards spending on other goods and services. So uh, in addition to that, falling house prices um, has a kind of consumption effect and, and reduces consumption as well. But we did this kind of of back-of-the-envelope calculation, if you like, that uh, property prices nationally would need to fall about 20% peak to trough in order for price falls to offset rising interest costs and and make a property purchase more viable. Well, so far, property values have only fallen peak to trough about 10%. 
even though that's the biggest decline on record nationally, um, it's still not something that's really about improving affordability. No. So we've heard a lot about the so-called mortgage cliff. Uh, I know know some banks don't like that language, but it it does refer to households currently on low fixed rate mortgages that will come off onto variable rates this year. When's that likely to hit? Is it a sort of staggered approach or is there a moment? It's a little bit staggered over the course of 2023. Uh, The RBA produced this piece of analysis last year suggesting that uh, about 23% of outstanding mortgage debt in total would be repriced over the course of the year. I'd say from April is where we're going to start seeing a pretty big impact because not only were people taking out interest rate, um, the the interest rates of sub 2% on their mortgages, but a result of the falling interest rates um, back then was also a, a sharp increase in property prices and a big increase in the amount of debt that they were taking out as well. So I think it'll be an interesting test for the market. I don't necessarily know that it, it's something that will crash the housing market or put excessive downward pressure on prices, mainly because we've we've seen um, institutions react quite strongly um, to threats in the mortgage market in the past. Um, think mortgage repayment deferrals around the onset of COVID, um, but also because the majority of mortgage debt is on variable terms. People have mostly been coping with rate rises so far. Um, so there's no reason to think that the fixed rate mortgage holders would be any different to that variable space. Just turning to what is becoming quite a polarising and fierce debate over the purpose of super, the government is saying super should be for a dignified retirement and not pulled out early for for lots of reasons, including not for a home. But are you better off owning a home and having less super or having more super but being at the mercy of the rental market? Is this, How do you see this? I, I think it's, um, to be honest, I think you're probably a little bit better off owning a home sooner if you can. Uh, a big component of retirement is owning your home outright by the time you're not earning as much income. Um, the other challenging thing about superannuation is that it's putting all of this money away for the future People want houses now. <laughs> they want secure places for their for their family and and to grow their family now. So um, I I can definitely see the argument behind accessing super to get into the housing market more quickly. But I think if you do have a scheme like that, it's got to be very well targeted. You don't want to just unleash another demand side stimulus policy for the housing market because that can have inflationary pressures on on property prices. Rents have gone up by 10% in just the last 12 months and some people, particularly in inner city areas, say they're facing increases of 40 to 50%. Are we likely to see that go up with the interest rates as well? Yeah, so I would say that the rental situation we're in is not quite as related to interest rates. I, I get the argument that landlords would increase their um, rental income to cover some of the increased interest costs they're facing. But a lot of what we're seeing in the rental market is more tied to demographic trends. People who have spread out across the rental market over the past couple of years through COVID because they want more space. And more recently, the return of overseas migrants, most of which are initially renters when they get here. 
So I think that we're going to see some demand-driven pivots in the rental market, people share housing more, um, people potentially moving away from markets that are just too expensive. Um, But ideally, you'd want to see more supply brought to the market. uh, And I think we really need to urgently target funding at the most vulnerable in the rental market. Um, potentially by increasing and better targeting Commonwealth rental assistance. What sort of reforms could we make to Commonwealth rental assistance that you just mentioned that would be meaningful? I think increasing it for the people who are struggling with potential increases in their rents, just allowing them to maintain their tenancy. Um, And there is an argument by the Productivity Commission for better targeting in the sense that there is a portion of people receiving the payment Um, that may not actually require it. And also looking at other areas that you could, um, I think, generally make funding for housing more efficient. Um, The Productivity Commission also noted that about $3 billion a year from states and territories goes to things like stamp duty concessions and and first-home buyer grants, which we actually know to push up housing market prices and Uh, potentially just help people into the market sooner who would have gotten there anyway. So maybe retargeting some of that funding um, to Commonwealth rental assistance or to crisis and emergency housing could be a better way to kind of, um, I guess, triage funding and, and manage some of the very urgent housing crisis issues that we see at the moment. Eliza, thanks for your time this morning. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's the head of residential research for Australia at CoreLogic, Eliza Owen. You're listening to ABCRN Breakfast. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.